The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You're listening to Talk with Renee Dallow, episode number 78. Talk about how to grow with the industry with our special guest, Emily Sullivan. Emily Sullivan is the owner of Emily Sullivan Events, a boutique wedding and event planning firm based in New Orleans, specializing in celebrations throughout the Southeast. With a passion for entertaining, Emily uses her intuition and attention to detail to customize each and every wedding experience for her clients. Emily is a regular on-air personality in her region, as well as a sought-after national speaker. And today, she is here with us to talk all about how to stay relevant, consistent, and focused in your wedding business. This is an excellent episode for us all getting back to work soon. So grab your coffee, grab your tea, and let's talk it out. Welcome to Talk with Renee Dallow, biz chat for wedding pros and creatives. Tune in every week for no BS real talk from industry experts that want to help you thrive in your business and your life. Here's your host, event planner, educator, and sushi addict, Renee Dallow. Grab a glass and get ready to talk it out. Hello, hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Talk with Renee Dallow. It is me, your host, Renee Dallow, joined this week by the always lovely, always talented, always fun, Emily Sullivan. Emily, how are you? I'm good, Renee. Thanks so much for having me. I'm psyched that you're here, and I love our topic today. You guys, you're going to die. Well, no, don't die. That's horrible. But you're going to be excited because we are talking today about how not to get stuck, how to grow your business with the industry, right? And I love this topic because I know so many of the things we talk about on the show could be considered for like a newer business owner, right? But this topic is like surely for people who have been in it for a while. And it's something I think about as I get older is this idea of like, our clients are always getting younger than us. (laughs) That is so true. And I am noticing that more and more now. And like, we can't get stuck. Like we, I see, I've always seen in my market market and other markets, um, especially wedding planners, you know, with the advent of technology and CRMs a couple of years ago, you know, there was always that like sort of joke about like, oh, well, that planner still uses a binder, you know, and it was a joke, you know, it was kind of like, oh, she's old school, but it really, it kind of isn't a joke on the same wavelength, right? It really isn't. And I have to be honest, there are things about me that are old school that I'm not willing to like. Like what? what? I still use a yellow legal pad to put make my to do list every day. Like I can't it's just like makes me feel better when I have my yellow legal pad. You probably won't see me out with that on site or anything, but I mean I think that's a classic move. I have a stack of of legal pads with Yellow legal pads, but that's a classic move. I don't think that's old school. I just think that's like timeless really it just doesn't go out of style it was like my weddings that's what I I like to say when I'm referring to myself you know just classic doesn't it's not trendy exactly for a reason um I, I I totally agree with you I'm seeing that um that that time difference so much about just how my clients communicate and what they want from me and how I communicate and kind of the the way I have to approach different you know each client differently in order to kind of 
um, connect with them, I think. Yeah. And I think, you know, that that then becomes the job of having a long a business with longevity is right. How do we adapt with the times? How do you how do you stay nimble as things change? I will say for me, for anyone who listens to the show for a long time, you know, I've always said that I never let my clients text me. Um, and I have to be honest, like during the pandemic, especially in like late 2020, my clients were texting me a fair amount and I wasn't pushing back against it. I was like, okay, if this is what it is now, this is what it is. And like, maybe that, maybe I'm coming around, right? Maybe I'm like, okay, you can text me now. That's the, <laughs> I don't know. completely there all the time, but, but same. I mean, you know, I think this year has even taught us more about, you know, who we have to be in order to be successful for the long term. And I'm getting ready to celebrate in 2021, 15 years, which is still shocking to me because I'm like, yes. first of all, I can't believe I've had a business for 15 years or that I made it in an industry that is changing constantly for this long and been able to continually build and see growth. That's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. What do you think in your 15 years? Like, what do you, when you look around at other businesses who have stood the test of time as you have, what are some things that, like essential things that a company needs to have to be sustainable in today's market to, to stand the test of time? You know, I have this plaque hanging over my desk that has gone with me since like 2008. And it says life begins at the end of your comfort zone. And I think, first of all, as a business owner, no matter if you're a wedding planner or any other business in the world, getting comfortable is dangerous because markets are changing, clients are changing, uh, what you're supplying is changing, technology is changing. And so the moment you get comfortable, you're going to be left behind. And I honestly, when I look back on our business, I think that's what's helped us maintain for so long is that I am in a constant state of analyzing what's working and what isn't and adapting to that. And I, I really think that's the trick that at no point am I like, oh, I got this figured out. I'm just going to ride it out. I'm literally you know, four times a year, each quarter, and really in 2020, even more than that, just saying what is working for us within our team, for me, for our clients, what isn't, how do we adjust? And I, I really think that's the trick is just never getting comfortable. Do you find that kind of diligence exhausting or energizing? Yeah. <laughs> it was it both. Both. It's definitely both. I mean, I think to be an entrepreneur in general, you have to have a certain amount of stamina. I have friends all the time who come to talk to me about being a business owner. And I actually, I own another another business, uh, uh, an old fashioned general store that has two locations. So my wedding planning business is obviously kind of my you know, long-term, sustainable, this is what I, my career, but and my store is for fun. My point to say that is that as an entrepreneur, it's just there's some level of always working that never ends. And I think that's the difference. So when friends come to me and they say, oh, I have these business ideas, what do you think? And and I think to be successful in business, you have to be willing to give up so much, honestly. And I, I'm better now. And, and I know you just said you're not, you know, you don't allow texting and things like that. And I have boundaries and I know we have to learn that. But I still give so much all the time to be sure that those are successful. And if you don't have that kind of work ethic, I mean, that's going to set you off on the wrong track immediately. I agree. I often say, and I, I don't I don't ever say this in a way to discourage anyone, but I do think there's a certain personality, makeup, there's a certain thing in our DNA with entrepreneurs where we just need to do this level of work Absolutely. that not everybody has. 
And to be honest, in 2020, I even found myself like, what do I do with all this time? Which is how my second location for my store came up. Because I'm like, I've moved 40 weddings. I'm used to being very busy. And now I'm stuck at home. And what do I do? And, and so it was that feeling the need to like, you know, be doing something all the time, I think that that brought me to that. Because weddings, it, you know, working from home that that's another thing it changed so much this year and you still have to have that work ethic to be able to see it through and so 2020 was challenging for us because yes we could be spending that time to develop these new ideas and programs and all these things and prepare but it's been you know constantly changing every you know every month we're we're facing something different we're changing something and so it was almost like you couldn't even do that like you would normally do and you couldn't prepare so you had to look beyond that yeah. How do you balance the need for innovation and like learning new things, new systems, new processes with the stability and the consistency that you need in, in a long term business? Like, how do you balance those things? Well, I just try to be very true to myself, honestly. And that for me, you know, it doesn't always look like it does for everybody else. I'm lucky that I am surrounded by lots of great people like you and, you know, other people that, that we've discussed that um, I can look to in the industry and kind of use for motivation or to grow personally. But I think I also have to take that and say, it's not always going to work for me the way it works for everybody else. So I've sort of learned to trust my gut instinct on things and say, okay, is this something I'm trying to force because I feel like it's the right thing to do and everybody's doing it? Or is this something that I feel like I'm really passionate about and very true to myself? And I really think that's, you know, authenticity is so important when you're trying to figure out the long-term the way your business is going to behave long-term and grow long-term because the one constant for my business has always been me. Everything else changes. Everything else um, is, you know, even my team, my, it just everything is constantly changing. I am the reason people come to work with me. And so I've always kept that perspective and just thought I'm going to be who I am and kind of trust my gut on things and, and, and look for, inventiveness. And I, I really think that the main way that we've been able to do that is, is like I said, by, you know, being flexible and never getting comfortable and not getting in a rut. I was just recently talking to Eddie from Timeline Genius. I love Eddie. Genius is one of my favorite tools ever. And our clients are impressed by a lot of those things. So we're showing like, hey, we're willing to make it easy for you. And we're willing to learn and kind of challenges, challenge ourselves tech wise so that you know, this can be a more comfortable process for you. And so I think that it's not always going to be the case where everything is a good fit for me, even if it's a good tool. But there are a lot of things that I just look at and say, okay, you know, is this working? Is it not? And, and to be honest, not to go off on a rampage, I think the biggest thing I've ever done in my business is admit when I'm wrong. And that's really what's taught me the most, you know, being going on and on and being hard headed, which honestly, I really am in life, being able to accept defeat and say, this didn't work out, but maybe this will and just, you know, turning it around and trying again is really how you can set yourself up for long term success. Oh my God, you touched on so many awesome things there. I just want to recap. So first, I want to talk a little bit about trusting your gut because I think for newer business owners, that's a hard concept mm -hmm. because as far as I'm concerned, trusting your gut comes with time and falling on your face and trying again and knowing, like you said, knowing what works and what doesn't. Where in your business did you start realizing that you had a gut that was worth trusting? Do you remember? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I it, a lot of podcasts and speaking I've done, if, if 
anybody listening has heard me, I talk about the great breakdown of 2010 because it's really what almost made me throw in the towel. Like I'm done. I don't want to be a wedding planner. This is exhausting. You know, like I'm finished coming out of that on the other side really forced me to analyze number one, what kind of life I wanted to have. And number two, what kind of business I wanted to have and then adjust based on that. And so that the questions that came after that were questions that I would ask myself when things came up, like, is this a good, you know, we're going to add a new whatever. Okay. What does that look like? And it, and to be honest, I stopped making rash business decisions and I took the time to think them out. I'm still one who I'm going to act fast. Like when I make a decision about something, I don't hem and haw over it. I'm not thinking about it. I fully commit to it once I'm committing to it or not committing to it. Um, but really, I learned to sort of slow down and just say, do I have peace with this decision or am I worried about it? You know, how do I feel, honestly, on the inside before I'm moving on? I love that. I also want to sort of dissect uh, something that I, I took as a theme as you were talking is that you have a very high level of self-awareness. And I will stand on, on any stage and talk till I'm blue in the face about how I believe entrepreneurs that the most essential skill that we can all develop is self-awareness. Do you think you always had that or is that something you developed as an entrepreneur? Oh, it's something I definitely developed. I mean, yeah. I think I was a little naive for the first, you know, four or five years. And I think the further I go on, I'll give you an example. I had an employee who was with me for about six years and, and there was just issues coming from me um, honestly, where I wasn't managing the situations well, and it caused a lot of frustration and we ended up kind of parting ways for about two years. She worked somewhere else. And then, and then last year I called her up and said, listen, I'm not the same person I was two years ago. I definitely see your strengths. I know that, you know, we didn't end well because I hadn't talked to her really in two years. And, and I just wanted to know if you'd be interested in doing this with me. And she ended up coming back to work for me. And it was one of the best business decisions I've ever made, but it so took like so much humbleness from my own part of saying, this is what I did wrong in this relationship. And yeah. here's how I think we can grow in the future. Yeah, because I think we, we talk a lot of always about growing our businesses and, and, you know, as we already mentioned, developing tools, new technology. But let's also not discount the self-development. Like we as entrepreneurs, we need to take and, and I've now scheduled it in my calendar, you know, scheduled time for my own development, whether that's reading a book or a podcast or working with my life coach or therapy or whatever that looks like for you. It's like we we have to remember that you know, we're only as good as as the information we surround ourselves with and, and what we take to heart. And I think so often when I see other business owners, you know, maybe not living up to the authentic ideal, it's because they don't even know what they're what is authentic to them. They don't know themselves. I think you're so right. And I mean, I think the first step of authenticity is you know, looking inward, being able to admit when you're wrong. And, and gosh, there have been so many times. I mean, there there's literally been times with clients I've been wrong and my team when I've been wrong. And, yeah. and even I, I, I can't believe I'm saying this on a podcast, but I had a client in December who I just got so frustrated with. I mean, I cried and that I've been in business 15 years. It does not I don't get shaken very much. Right. And then I was so confrontational with her. And after the, at, at the end, I said, you know what? I just want to apologize because this was not a reflection of me or you. This was the fact that my city just went back into a shutdown yesterday and I had to move four weddings and yeah. it totally stressed me out. Yeah. Luckily she happened to be a therapist. So she was, <laughs> I get it. 
<laughs> you know what? If, if you're going to have it out with a client, have it out with a the therapist client because they get it. <laughs> oh, afterwards, she was like, this is what you need to do. Like, these are some herbs you need to take. And I was like, thank you. Um, but, you know, I, I just, I think being real is so much of being authentic. And, and like I said earlier, I, I think if you're a wedding planner specifically or a photographer, really most anything in planning business now, People are coming because they want to work with you, because they like you, because they feel connected to you for whatever reason. And so it is so important that you continue to be true to yourself. hundred percent. And, you know, the person I was, and, you know, you said this and I'll echo it, same for me. But when I started my business, you know, nine years ago, or hell, when I planned my first wedding 14 years ago, I was a completely different person than the one I am now. And and I like to joke, and I know I've said this on the podcast before, that like as wedding planners, especially our baseline of um, the amount of stress we can handle is so much higher than other people that when the pandemic hit, I was like, I got this. It's fine. Not realizing that like we were already at a very high level of stress as a baseline to begin with. Add on cancellations, add on postponements, add on I've lived in Los Angeles. I haven't left my house since March. Like add on all these things. That is an unnaturally high level of stress for any human body to take. So you probably feel like me that I this year have felt so much like a therapist and a counselor to my clients and they want me to solve these problems and answer these questions that I don't have the answers to. And so this is like a cycle. Like I finish with one client and here I go again, I'm starting again. <laughs> I'm like, I'm saying the same things over and over again. Like these are the current restrictions, but they're probably yeah. going to change. And then two weeks later, I'm saying it again. Um, so it, it's been super challenging that way. Yeah. And I will say like, you know, coming out of 2020, all the businesses that survived that year, like pat yourselves on the back, y'all, because we made it out and not everybody did. And so now as we're looking at whatever recovery is going to look like as we move toward it, hopefully, hopefully there's a light at the end of the tunnel. You know, we have to get back to our, um, you know, what's essential to our client experience, because what we've been doing with them has not been essential. It's been thrown upon us. Right. So how do we get back to or what are your feelings and thoughts on motivating others to really get back to their client experience, you know, from start to, to finish? Like, how do we dig back into that when we've been distracted and not distracted, but encumbered by all of this pandemic related, you know, everything? You know, personally, and, and what I've tried to talk to my team about is I'm trying to get out of that mindset of being in survival mode. Like, we're going to make it how are we going to make it, you know? So getting out of that, like grasping at straws and kind of feeling the need to pivot and adjust and all of that and go back to the basics. And that's really one thing I talked about all year with coaching and podcasting was don't react out of desperation or, or survival and make decisions out of that. You still, even in a pandemic, even when your business is facing, you know, challenges we definitely have never faced before and might never face again, still asking yourself the question if things were a good fit. And I'll, I'll just use intimate weddings as an example. We started doing intimate weddings in 2016. We actually developed an entirely different division of MLA Sullivan events that only does intimate weddings and elopements. And we started doing those because we, people were asking for them, you know, oh my goodness, do you have an intimate package? And I'm like, well, no, I really don't because I don't want to do 
bad. I'm not going to make enough money. Like had a real bad attitude about it, but then eventually started to come around when I started to get these really great clients. So we started that division. And then in the beginning of the pandemic, you just saw this complete shift towards intimate weddings. And I would have conversations with people and they'd be like, well, I really don't like doing intimate weddings. I'm like, well, then why are you doing them? You know, like, even though you feel forced to do it, you still have to be who you are. And if you're kind of going into it with an attitude of this isn't my thing, or I really don't want to do it, you're not going to be successful at it because they're going to tell that it's not your thing. Um, In the same sense, intimate weddings have become such a big thing that the way I operate in terms of sustainability is looking at things that people are asking for. And so now, yes, everybody in their mother is doing intimate weddings. My market is blown up with people doing intimate weddings. So now I'm like, oh, well, what comes next? So yes, I've been doing them for you know five years now and they were great, but now everybody's doing them. So the need isn't there as much. So what am I going to do that's different? And I think that's the difference with businesses and planners who are going to be successful long-term is going back to you know, not necessarily always looking at the trend, but looking at what it is that you're good at and what it is that's going to be long-term successful. Well, and you're looking always to innovate, right? So when I, when you say that I hear, okay, so some planners, some businesses are followers and some businesses are leaders, right? And you're leading the way because again, you said this many minutes ago, talking about risk, right? Like you have to have a certain level of comfortability with risk. Oh, Oh my goodness. Yes. And it's scary. And you know, one of the things you talked about in the beginning of being a different person then than you are now in the beginning, you feel like I don't have a choice. I have to take all this business and do all these things that I don't want to do. As you learn who you are and learn what's acceptable, you able to kind of say no to clients, no to events that you don't want to do. And, and I've continued that even through the pandemic. And especially like right now in the last two months, I'm just like, I think coming out on the other side of the pandemic has even taught me even more so about who I want to be. So for example, we are we just made a decision this week as our team that we're not going to do wedding management anymore and i know everybody likes it and i know everybody wants it but frankly i don't like doing it <laughs> i never have yeah. uh, i think i heard you speak early, like early on one of our one of my first times to hear you speak i think you were talking about wedding management oh i talk about it every day yeah i'm yes. obsessed with yes. I, I just I'm don't want people sure. calling it day of coordination you know me but but i don't think wedding management is for every business for it's, sure and it's, I had kind of pushed it off to my team and said, we'll still do it, but you guys can do it because I don't want to do it. I'm just very relationship driven. I just never enjoyed it. And I kept trying to force it. And then I'm looking at this year and I'm looking at my calendar and my resources and I'm saying, okay, we've filled up our whole year with reschedules. Do I want to be stressed even thinner by doing wedding management when I know it's going to stress me out and I know I'm going to have a bad attitude about it? Right. No, I don't. And so, so scary to go into this year, like turning people down for business. But I just had to say like, I, okay, I'm going to be true to who, what I want to do, what I see in the future. And that is full service destination weddings. I love that for you. I had a similar, it wasn't about wedding management, but um, I'm very like venue motivated. We have so many amazing venues in LA and I, I have some that I just love that I work at constantly that I feel like they're my home. And then I have some that I'm like nostalgic about because I did my first wedding there or like I was the first wedding when they opened and like these venues that I've outgrown, right? I've outgrown the clients who go there 
can't afford me yet every time i get an inquiry i'm like yeah but i love that venue it's like no renee that is not serving anyone you're weirdly working on some bit of nostalgia like it's okay to outgrow things it's it okay is. to move on it's okay to say you know what let some other up, up and coming planner take the take the weddings at that venue and let them learn you know which outlets don't work because one time we shorted it out with a coffee maker right. whatever it's fine you learn the lessons that's it. that's a legit true story um <laughs> Because I was new and I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> right. Been there. Been there. Different yeah, situation. A band on a riverboat. But same, same. Yeah, we've all done it. We've all done it. Um, I want to talk a little bit about kind of flipping the script a little bit here um, in talking about competitors, right? And so... I mean, I'm from the rising tide ethics of like a rising tide lifts all boats, community over competition. We don't have any real competition, but I do know that it's easy to get distracted by others in our market who are doing the same thing we are. You've been in business for 15 years. How have you navigated those waters? Um, to be honest, and, and I, I'm about to get real, real for a minute. I, my main competition is with myself. I, Amen. I turn it off. I, I'm not going to lie. I don't follow a lot of other planners. I don't check other planners websites. There was one planner I was having a conversation with and she's like, don't you read the not reviews for other planners? And I'm like, no, I've never done that. <laughs> um, but, but I am, if you are spending so much time thinking about how you can be better. And, and to be honest, my plate is full. I'm a single parent of two children. Um, I am running two businesses. I don't have a lot of time for just like sitting around thinking about other things. So I, I am always spending time thinking about myself and how I can be better. Now saying that there are one or two people that will really get me riled up. So if I in passing, and I know this about myself because, and, and honestly, it's the reason I can't look at other people because I have this layer of like competitiveness. It's like, Oh yeah, it's me too. At a whole different level, and I will literally and and I've done this to Megan Ely before. I will see something and then it will just settle inside of me, and I'll be like, "Oh, I'm about to work all night. You know, I'm about to figure this out, take <laughs> this down." And so the way I prevent that is by not looking at those things. Um, but but yeah, so there is a level of competitiveness that makes me want to be you know, successful. But in the past few years, I think it's so gratifying to be able to say, I have built this wonderful business that really affords my children of a single parent, like a lifestyle that they wouldn't normally have of a single parent. And we get to travel and they get to go to great schools. And this business has been so good to me. And so that's how I judge my success, not on how I'm doing in comparison to other people. And I, I honestly think going back to the authenticity thing, because it's really so much part of this conversation, my success comes from the goals I set for myself early on. And, and I continue to say, for example, I don't want to be a luxury planner. I've never been drawn to luxury weddings. I'm very real. My clients are very real. It's just not who I am. So therefore, when I see other people doing celebrities or whatever it is, I yeah. say I've chosen the path of not doing that intentionally. Right. And right. so therefore I'm successful based on what I've set for my own self. Absolutely. I feel like for myself, you know, the metrics that I track are like you said, am I meeting these goals that I set for myself and my business? Mm -hmm. And I look at my I mean, I look at my bank account and my cash flow like a hawk. Like at any given moment I can tell you exactly how much money oh, the business has. I'm a psychic. 
yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit, that's where my competitiveness comes in with me last year, right? Even during the pandemic, I mean, I gave, you know, all those webinars last year. And one of the things I talked about was because of passive income and because of my education brand, like we didn't lose that much money last year. Yeah. And I'm forever proud of that because I track this, I track it all. And I think the competitiveness side of me, I'm I'm like you, if I see something that's that needs fixing in my business and I get a fire lit under me, I'll work all night. Mm-hmm. Not healthy, but true. Right. My power, at least last year, wasn't so much a, a trigger for me. But in 2019, uh, there was a planner in my market. She's still in in my market, I I guess. But I unfollowed her, so I don't really know. Right. <laughs> and it was driving me crazy because she would be on her Insta stories all day, like ta- like literally talking to her about her whole day. She'd make breakfast, then she'd be at her desk, and I was weirdly fascinated, but then also completely distracted by her. And then completely in my head about like, should I be doing this? Should I be showing my people? My Like, no, 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 no. Go get to work. But I had to unfollow because it was messing with my head and for, in a way that wasn't helpful at all. To, oh, my goodness. And social media, I think, because so there was no social media when I started. So this was not an issue. Um, and as I've kind of learned, I, I think too, this was like such a decision for me that it's not important for me to be an influencer. You know, like I don't see myself as a future influencer. I don't try to be an influencer. I'm not, I'm not, maybe that's my age showing. I don't know. I'm just not drawn to that, like on social. So I kind of have to force myself to do social a little bit, um, knowing that most of my clients are going to probably feel the same way. And so it's okay. You know, again, just being who I am and, and, and being okay. Cause you're, you're not going to see a whole lot of that from me either. Like, but look again, because I'm busy. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I think too, like, uh, right now, as I sit here in 2021, it's like, there isn't just one way to build a business. Right. And I think as educators, especially, I know you and I speak on national stages. It, it feels simple to get up and say, this is how you're successful, but it's never a straight line. It's never like that. No. And I mean, honestly, if I could, if I could go back to my, you know, self in 2006, when my business started and give myself advice, I would just say, just, you know, slow down, think it through, just be, be who you are, be true to yourself. Don't, you know, run the rat race. The first five years, I was just in a complete rat race of growing so quickly. I couldn't even function in my life because it just overwhelmed me. And I I think I would, I would definitely go back and kind of build a firm foundation. And I think, you know, that's one of the important things about this topic and, and how you last long term is, yes, we can talk about all of these things changing and how we're constantly getting outside of our comfort zone, but it's the foundation that really helps you have long-term success. I agree. What would you say to someone listening who has been in business for a decade, who says to themselves and has proof, right? Social proof from their clients and their reviews saying, listen, I've been doing this a while. I've got this on lock. Everything I'm doing is beyond reproach. It's great. I'm not going to change it. And uh, you know, this advice doesn't pertain to me because I'm great. What do you say to those people? I would say you're being a complete hardhead if you come out of 2020 thinking that you don't need to change anything because I think we were all forced to have that conversation whether we wanted to or not. And that was the difference about last year versus other years. It's like there is no you know, barrier to entry for our businesses. And so just to be able to look back and say, you know, maybe this is how we've done it in the past that that didn't cut it last year. We were all kind of forced into that. And even coming on the other side of that, I think the conversation is so important because yes, you've survived, like you said, but what do you do now? And um, I, I think, you know, I try to show myself a certain amount of grace as a business owner and just say, I'm not always going to get it 
right. But what I am going to do is always have open ears and be willing to listen to people who have also been through this with me, um, who have been in similar situations, who have um, experienced things that maybe I haven't yet. And I think being, being open, being open-minded and just um, willing to kind of put yourself out there. I mean, we have some, some people locally and I was having, I'm, I'm, on the WIPA board in New Orleans, started the New Orleans WIPA chapter. And we've had people who were like, why can't we get these really great vendors to come to our WIPA events? And someone's like, because they don't think they need education. And I'm like, I think you're right, <laughs> you know? And I just think that is such a dangerous place to be. And one of the things that's really different from when I first started in 2006 to now is all this education is available. When I yes. tell you I had to figure it out, I mean, hashtag figure it out. There was no, oh, one me asked. Too. there was no education that I had someone on Facebook message me to see if she could borrow my contract last week. And I was like, no, you can't, <laughs> you know, like, no, I yes. paid money for this contract, but it's yes. those, it's that type of attitude. I think that really irks the shit out of me because it's like, I have really worked hard and learned and developed all these things for people to come in and, and kind of say, you know, I, I, don't need this or whatever. Yeah. I, every time I think about the beginning of my career as a wedding planner, it always feels like, you know, that old, uh, that old joke about like, I had to walk 10 miles uphill in the snow to get to school. Cause I'm like, when I started, there was one educator and I stalked her and I went down to San Diego and took her class. And I decided she was gonna, like, I made her my mentor. Like I, yeah, I came on real strong, oh, but she was the only one. This was, was Allison it. Howard for everyone listening props to Allison Howard back in the day. But like, she was the only one that I could find teaching anyone anything. I'm not going to lie. Again, can't believe I'm saying this on a podcast. One of my first coordination weddings was for a seated dinner for 300 people. And I had never attended a seated dinner. I love that. Because that's a real shit right there. And I didn't right, even have an right. assistant. And I was like, shit, what am I going to do? And I just figured it out. And uh, it's been a history of figuring it out ever since then. Right. Listen, don't do what we did. Don't figure it out. Go get educated. No. And I will say this. like There's we are no recording excuse now. No There's excuse. We're everywhere. Like literally we're everywhere. We are recording this in early January. And so my theory is that post-pandemic, we are going to see an influx of newbies to the wedding industry because everyone thinks what we do is super glamorous, although hilarious. Um, and I'm like, ha ha ha, the wedding planner movie ruined you for everyone. Right. And we're going to see an influx of newbies. I don't think we're seeing them right now on January uh, 12th. But by the time this episode airs, probably in March, I believe we will be seeing the newbies come out full force with their $200 day of coordination packages right. and the and the, and the bullshit. So if you've been in business for 10 plus years and you're and you're thinking like, I'm, I'm locked in, I'm good. Just know like the attack of the newbies is coming and uh, innovation is the name of the game. Years, honestly, yes, you know, they really do. They and really and do. I just try to say to myself, you know, stay consistent, be, do what you're doing, be yourself. Cause it's going, you're still going to like withhold the test of time. It sounds so corny, but it's true. I, in 15 years have watched like probably four different waves of like new people come in and out of my market and I'm like, okay, it's fine. I'll still be here when you guys leave. Yeah. It's like you said foundation. It made me think of like, it made me think of like architecture and building a building. If you have a strong foundation, that building's going to be there hundreds of years from now. If you build it out of like cards and bubble gum, that's going to fall down at the near, at the slightest breeze. Mm -hmm. Because like you said, they think it's fun and glamorous and you just kind of jump in with it. <laughs> yes. 
you know, no, no plan. And I think that's what's different about people who've been in the business long term. It's not our side gig. We're not doing it for fun. Like right. it's very important and our careers and we address it that way. And I, I mean, that definitely to me says the difference between people who will be long term in the industry and people who won't is how prepared you are and how willing you are to kind of do the work that comes with it. It's because it's so much more than showing up. You know, when we talk about just client experience and what that looks like from start to finish, that's a part of what tells another client that, you know, that's, it, it's crazy to think that because I do destination weddings, a lot of my clients come from referrals, yes. but I'm literally planning for like 10 people right now who had a friend of a friend or a family or a wedding planner who came to me for planning. And that says so much about the experience of the first people yep. and how they felt when they left. And so I think it's so important from the very first moment. I, I don't, I know other planners who don't do this, but I speak to every client who's interested in hiring me personally. It's time consuming. I get it, but we're going to know right from the start, whether we're a good, a good fit or not. Yeah, I, I do that too. Yeah. It's, I mean, I don't understand how you don't do that, but whatever. Um, <laughs> I, start that phone conversation. And then from there, we just have a very streamlined, you know, plan all to say, yes, we have, we're, we're giving this service, this solid service, this client experience. But one of the things that I think makes us most successful is my willingness to adapt to my clients. Honestly, like my clients have certain personalities. One told me today, she's like, I'm not that tech savvy. Your system's kind of throwing me off. And I'm like, okay, well, how can I do it to make it easier for you? Yes, it's my system. Yes, I'll still use it, but it's not working for her. So how do I make her feel comfortable? And I think that's that's something that's so important is managing emotions of your clients and making them feel super comfortable and welcome, even if it's not exactly the way you planned it out to be. Right, being nimble like that and also having the emotional intelligence to coach someone like that right? through that. Yeah. Oh, Planning is such an emotional job. I mean, for it anyone is. who thinks it isn't, it's, you're not doing it right. I was just going to say, <laughs> you're probably not doing it right. On that note, we know, we'll leave you on that note, guys. Figure it out yourselves. No, just kidding. Um, I think, you know, yes, planning requires every single part of, of us as planners. It requires our brains and our hearts and our lived experience and our knowledge and our wisdom and, and, all the things that make us great and then all the things that keep us curious, right? Because when I think about longevity and, and all the things we talked about, like embracing new technology, embracing new ideas, looking at your business um, as, as an outsider, you know, really getting to know yourself and work on yourself, that all just stems to me, boils down to curiosity. Stay curious about your own business. So true. Love that. Love yeah. that. Emily, where can all the fine folks who are listening find you on the internet? I know you said you're not much for social media. So what's your favorite place to hang out? By saying that I'm on social media, you just <laughs> like cooking meals or, you know, nice. Yeah. Um, so you guys can obviously find us on our website, emilysullivanevents.com and also on Instagram and Facebook at Emily Sullivan events. Are you on clubhouse yet? I am not on Clubhouse and I've been seeing it all week and I'm like, should I? I'm not sure. I don't know. It seems like a commitment. I'm also not on TikTok or Snapchat. <laughs> oh God, no, I can't figure out that. My husband's on TikTok. Like, he's like a, my husband went viral on TikTok last week. He's like very proud about it. And, oh my and he's always like, did you watch it? And I'm like, I have to get the app. I have right. I was going to say, I would watch him if I were on TikTok, but I'm not. Follow well, me listen, on Instagram. <laughs> let's, let's get you on Clubhouse because what we've been doing is we've been doing talkbacks to the episodes. 
Oh, and it's been really cool to have listeners come on and chat with us about about the episode. And so by the time this episode airs, we'll get you on Clubhouse, girl. Don't worry. Love it. Love it. Love it. I'm always I'm learning. So exactly. See, we're opening our horizons. We're embracing new technology. That's how we do. Emily, thank you so much for being here. I loved our conversation and I love you. And thank you so much for giving us your thank time. You so much, Renee. I really enjoyed it. Thanks, guys. And so for everyone listening, it's 2021. And you know what that means. I've set some new goals for the biz. And one of them for this podcast is 100 reviews. You guys, we're not there yet. We're at like 60 ish. So if you listen to the show and every week or most weeks and you like what you hear, please go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five star review and write a little something for us. That's what Apple wants to see. That's what we love to see. And it will allow us to share this show with more listeners. So thank you again for sharing your time with us. And we will see you same time next week. Bye bye for now, friends. Thanks for listening to Talk with Renee Dallow. Dive into the show notes at ReneeDallow.com forward slash podcast. And connect with Renee at Talk with Renee Dallow on Instagram.